So I'm going to speak to you on something that I've titled today, Grace That Works. Grace That Works. In this year where our theme is Arise and Build, and, and we have a sub-theme together, we built the church of God. It, it tells us that in this year, God is expecting that you and I will work. I don't know how many of you have passed by any construction site. Whether someone is building um, their own house or they are building a, a, a warehouse or a, a, a facility for something. Have you realized that when there is a construction site, there's work going on? And as long as the construction is going on, you can see different people playing different roles. There are those who are um, carrying cement. There are those who are carrying stones. There are those who are laying the blocks. There are those, I mean, every single person that is needed on site is there because it is time to work. So when we are building the church of God, it is an indication that what? It is time to do what? To work. And the season where it is time to work, it's very important for us to understand that God has given us the grace for work, but we must let that grace be put to work. God has what? Given us the grace for work, but we must let that grace be put to work. So I want us to turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10. So the Bible says that, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Hallelujah. And so, in, in this particular passage, it is the Apostle Paul speaking. And Paul is giving us a very interesting statement. And we need to understand the background to this particular statement. Paul had started in verse 1 of this particular chapter. And he was saying that by preaching the gospel or by preaching the word of God, the people had come to, to, to salvation. The people were saved. The people were redeemed. The people now knew the Lord. And do you know what Paul said? Paul said that of all these things that have happened, you can see miracles that have happened. You can see that people have come to know the Lord. All these things that have happened is because of the grace of God. In fact, Paul says that he was the least of the apostles, yet the grace of God made him who he is. And in this particular passage, he uses the word grace. And in the Greek, it is a very interesting word. Because the word grace is the word charis. Which refers to the divine influence upon the heart. And its reflection in the life. So when we talk about grace, we are saying that it is God at work in your life. When we talk about grace, we are saying that it is divine influence. It means that God is doing something in your life. And whilst he's doing that something in your life, we can see what God is doing in your life on the outward. So, for instance, I can see some of us when we started this church, or, or some of you even from the headquarters, how that you were small and you were somewhere like some people's, I don't want to mention some names, they are smiling and laughing. But now I look at them 
I can see how beautifully they are dressed. And we can only say that it is what? Grace. Because God has been working in their lives all along. And we only see the manifestation of what God has been doing. So when we talk about grace, it is the divine influence upon the heart. And it's reflection in the life. In fact, some of you used to be so angry, so quick-tempered. When someone says something right now, hey, the whole, the whole place will be turned upside down. But now you look at yourself and someone says something and it hurts you. And instead of reacting so quickly, you, you see yourself smiling and you're wondering, ah, is this the same me? We call it what? Grace. Grace is God at work in your life. He's changing things. Some of the guys, previously when you see a girl like something, your whole body is shaking. But now, you see them and they pass by and it's like, oh, I've not seen you at all. It's called what? Grace. God is at work in your life and we see the reflection of what God is doing inside of you on the outward. When we talk about grace, it is favor on the part of the giver and thanks on the part of the receiver. So grace is God extending his favor to you. And that favor makes you come to a place where you are thankful to God. Because you realize that if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have this job. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have this family. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be seated where I am. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have survived what I went through. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be where I am. So we say God's favor, God's grace is God's favor that he extends to us. And it makes us think through our lives and think about our lives and realize that this one, it couldn't have been me. Can I have some witnesses here? Do I have some witnesses here who can look at their lives and say that this one, it couldn't have just been me. It couldn't have been my connection. It couldn't have been my intelligence. It couldn't have been my skills. It couldn't have been my qualifications. Because other people are more qualified than I am. It couldn't have been my English. It could just have been what? Grace. And you look at it in your life and you say, it is God's favor he has extended in your life. Sometimes I laugh at my wife and I tell her that you, it is grace. Otherwise, by now, the kind of English you'll be speaking. Because, because she was in the village. They were in the village. And for one reason, in fact, by the time they brought them to her Christ, she couldn't even identify, what did you tell me? You couldn't spell, read letters, read words. I, I can't remember whatever you told me. How are you? Oh, how are you? She couldn't, how are you? Simple, how are you? Crash, she couldn't know. But look, God, you see, the thing about grace is that when God is working, eh, he works with the future in view. So, so he, he somewhere, somehow stares it in the heart of the father. They bring them to Accra, put them in a school. She goes, she goes to a very good school and then she continues and then she does a master's. And now when she's speaking, people think that she just landed from the UK. It is grace. Because you could have still been in that village there and we'll say, how are you? And you'll be looking at us. So grace, grace is God's favor that he extends to us. The beautiful thing about grace is that grace works with process. That, that, that you might look at your life and think God is not working, but God is actually working. You know, quite a number of times we say, I don't even know what God is doing in my life. I, I don't even know. I've been praying and asking God, God do this. And it looks like God is not. But the thing about grace is that grace works with process. And grace works with time. 
So although you might not be seeing physically the things that God is doing, he's actually working in your life. How many of you have realized that you only see a building when it's shut up, but at the time that they start the foundation, you don't see anything? Does that mean the building hasn't started? No, it has started. The foundation has started. The footing has been raised. It has been filled. And then it's going up and going up. We only come to see what what has shot up, but all along work was going on. Can I tell you something? All along God has been working in your life. His grace has been working in your life. It is only that we have not seen it, but it doesn't mean that work has not started. Construction has begun in your life. God has started his work. And that is why you, 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 you have to stop worrying about certain things because God is at work. The thing about grace is that it goes through process and it goes through what? Time. It's just like being in the kitchen. When a woman starts cooking, and I'm not saying men cannot cook, but mostly it's the women who cook. But when the woman is cooking in the kitchen, it's just like grace working. When she starts with the oil and she starts putting the onion and she starts putting that, you, you don't know what is really happening. And, and have you realized that when they start any good food, we will eat good food. The ones, the fast foods, they are not good food. But, but when, we, when we talk about food, and let your mind be home. Don't, don't start thinking about food. The, the nice granola soup and the light soup. And, have you realized that it takes process and time? No, you start little by little and the children will come, mommy, I'm hungry. And it's like, wait a little, it will be ready. And you are still cooking. And the husband will come, is the food not ready? And we are still cooking. Because the thing is that you can't truncate the process if you want the result. You can't shorten the process when you want a certain, what, result. So although they are hungry, although they are putting pressure on you, you tell yourself that, hey, it is for your own good that I am taking as long as I am taking. Because when it is ready and you start eating it, one, you will not have stomach problem. Two, you will enjoy it. Can I tell you something? When God's grace is at work in your life, God is not going to cut short the process because he has a future that he has for you and he will continue the process through time until he gets you to that future that he has set for you. So the grace of God is at work. So Paul says that, that I am what I am because of the grace of God because Paul himself realized that he was persecuting the church, he was fighting the church, but God's grace pulled him out of that particular circumstance and made him now an apostle. Some of us would not have been seated in church by now. You'd have been doing something else, but it's because of the grace of God that you are seated here. That is why you can't be walking around and looking at some other girl who is wearing some skimpy thing and just came from the nightclub and they're hey, you people, me, I'm not like you. You know what? It's because of grace that you are here. Because you and I know the things that run through your head. It has just not been made manifest. You know that it is grace that has brought you in. And you look at someone else who is chilling out there like, you look at them like they are, they are nothing. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. So Paul says, I wouldn't even be called an apostle, but it's what? It's grace. But look at what Paul says. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Because you see, it is possible for this grace to be in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So from this very simple statement, I'm going to teach us on five important points. 
The first one that Paul brings to our attention is that the grace of God is what qualifies us to serve in God's vineyard. I'm going to read through them and then I will take my time to explain them. The grace of God is what qualifies us to do what? To serve in God's vineyard. Number two, the grace of God is what gives us with all the abilities to serve in God's vineyard. So first of all, the grace of God qualifies us. But the second thing is that the grace of God also gifts us with abilities. The third one, the grace of God must not be wasted, but put to good use. Paul is telling us that the grace that is at work in your life, it must not be what? Wasted, it must be put to good use. Number four, the grace of God at work in us is evidenced by how we work with that grace. That means that I can only tell the kind of grace that God has placed in your life when I see the work that you are doing with the grace. You can only tell that Pastor Ima is a teacher of the word when I'm teaching. You can only tell that Debbie can lead in worship when she is leading in worship. So you can have the grace, but we might not know what the grace is because you are not working with it. I pray today you repent. Number five, the grace of God must be acknowledged at all times, even if we labor with the grace. So even if you work with the grace, it must be acknowledged. So now let's try to understand each of these five points. The very first one, the grace of God is what qualifies us to serve in God's vineyard. So Paul is saying that, look, the qualification to serve in God's vineyard is because of the grace. Like Paul is saying that you and I, by our own selves, we don't qualify to serve in God's vineyard. In fact, if we wrote an application letter and we sent it to God, that God, I want to work in your vineyard, you are not qualified. No, you, you, are, you are not qualified. Me, I am not qualified. If I ever wrote to God and I told God, God, I want to preach in your church, he says, you are not qualified. None of us is qualified because we have our weaknesses. We have our frailties. We have our sins. Yesterday, you thought about something that alone disqualifies you. Yesterday, you thought evil, someone did something to you and you are, you are thinking and praying in your head that the person will fall in some pit and something will happen. That alone disqualifies you. Someone, some of you, one of you, you are, you are holding your phone and, and then an advert popped up and you saw the naked woman on the advert and instead of canceling the advert like, this one, I'm not the one who brought it to it brought itself. That alone disqualifies you. No, so many things disqualify us. But God allows his grace to save us and redeem us and bring us into his vineyard and gives us the qualifications so that you and I can now serve in his vineyard. So if you are saved by the blood of Jesus, that same blood qualified you to serve in God's vineyard. You don't qualify. No, please turn to your neighbor and tell the person, by yourself, you don't qualify Tell another person by yourself, you don't qualify. No, it is God's grace. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 to 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Wow. By grace, through faith, you have been saved. Not of yourselves. 
It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. So what he's saying is that, look, this salvation that God has given to you, it is a gift. You didn't pay for it. You didn't buy it. You didn't work for it. God by himself saved you. And sometimes, you know the funny statement we make, I found God. You never found God. Do you, do you even know where to locate God? I searched for God. And I, you know, you didn't search for God was the one searching for you. You were lost. You were lost. You thought you were looking for God, but you were lost. The geographical location that you were was far from where God was. God had to come and now look for you and bring you and say, here I am. And saved you. But do you know what God did? When he saved you, he qualified you. So he says you cannot boast. No, you can't brag that I brought myself to church. No, you can't brag that I have the gift. It is my gift. Like, it is me. It is my time. No, I said I'll come to church. I have also said I won't come to church. I'm sorry. So God qualifies us. But look at the, the last verse in that verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So he's saying that the reason why God saved you is that you are his workmanship. You are a product of his hand and you have been created for good works. In other words, God did not just save you for saving you. He saved you so that you can now begin to do good works for him. Can I tell you something? Grace is freely given, but grace is not free. Can I repeat that statement? Grace is freely given, but grace is not free. Because when God releases his grace, it means there's work to be done. Can I tell you, there's no freelance with God. You think God just, God just said, oh, Nico, you're a handsome boy, that's how I saved you. No. God saved you because he wants you to do something good. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. So what God did was that he saved you from the hand of the enemy. He purchased you from the, from, the, from the bondage of the wicked one. He redeemed you by his blood. But he says, when I redeem you, I don't want to just leave you like that. I want to give you work to do. So God redeemed you and gave you employment. Oh, some of you did not get that. God saved you and gave you what? Employment. Because God, if God doesn't give you work to do, the devil will give you work to do. So he saves you and he qualifies you for work and he says, now I've given you work to do. Come and do good works. It takes us to the second point. The grace of God is what gives us with all the abilities to serve in God's vineyard. So, so when God saves you and he qualifies you, what he does is that he releases gifts into you. Gifts so that you can serve. Because you know what? I can't demand for you from you to do something when I've not given you the tools to work with. So God releases the gifts inside of you. And those gifts are the, the tools that God wants you to use for the good works. So look at Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 8. It says, having then gifts, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. The first line, having then gifts differing according to what? The grace that is given to us, let us use them. So he's saying that the, the, the grace that God releases to us, it gives us different gifts. So first of all, there's the general grace of God that saves us. But when that grace locates you, that grace gives you a particular gift and gives you a different gift and gives you a different gift and gives me a different gift. It gives all of us different gifts. And the thing is that God wants us to use our gifts together to serve him. So can I tell you that God's grace has gifted you? He says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. 
our ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So, so some of you, God has given you the ability to show mercy to people. When you see people, your heart, you have so much compassion. He says, do it with cheerfulness because that's the gift that God has given to you. Someone God has given the gift to teach. Someone God has given the gift to exhort. Someone God has given the gift for prophecy. Someone God has given the gift for singing. Someone God has given the gift for smiling. So you, you have to usher. Just come and stand there and smile and look at people and welcome them. Let them be happy. That's all. You, when you try to frown, the frown doesn't even come. That's your grace. Yesterday, I was happy when, when, when one of us walked. Nowadays, I'm trying not to mention a lot of names in my, my message. But one of us walked to me and said, Pastor Ima, I am a marketer. Now, I've decided I want to be in the stewards. I said, praise the Lord. You are answered to our prayers. No, God has given all of us different gifts. The grace of God that located you and saved you, it released a certain gift inside of you. And that is God's investment in your life. Can I tell you something? God's grace is his investment in your life. God's grace is what? His investment in your life. What you do with God's grace is your investment for his kingdom. So the grace of God. In fact, the word that, that is used as the gift, the word gift in the Greek is charisma, which is a spiritual endowment. And so we say the word grace is what? Charis. And the word gift is what charisma. So we can say the baby of charis is charisma. So the baby, the baby of grace is the gifts that God has given to you. Once grace locates you, it gives birth to the gifts inside of you. But you know what? The reason I can tell someone uh, you are so charismatic is because we see the gift that is at work in the person. We marvel and we are like, wow, what a gift. It is not a personal. It is the grace that bore the gift inside of them. And when you begin to see the gift, then you celebrate. Can I tell you something? I realized this between yesterday and today, that people don't celebrate you. They celebrate the gift. When the grace is lifted, you realize you become ordinary. People don't celebrate you again. No, people, people like me not because I'm a handsome. The only person who really likes me because I'm a handsome person is, is my wife. But even that, it is grace. Because if grace hadn't made me, if grace hadn't made me handsome, she would be looking at me and despising me. If that one cry is grace. So, no, people are celebrating you because of the grace that is in your life. The grace that has born a gift inside of you. It is not you. No, let the grace of teaching from humanology, and I'm just a normal humanology. No, leave the grace of writing books from Immanuelje and I'm just what? A normal Immanuelje walking around. So can I tell you something, people of God, that all this, your pride and all this, your changing things, it, it's just grace. No, can I tell you, it's what? Just grace. If God leaves the grace, you are just another human being walking around. That is why some people can be great men of God and when a scandal comes, the same people that used to celebrate that great man of God and say all good things. When a scandal comes and they say the man of God has gone to sleep with someone, all of a sudden the same people begin to insult. Because the people were not celebrating the person, the grace, the gift that was at work in the person's life. So God, you know, that the, you know the beautiful thing about God? First of all, you are in bondage. He, he lets his grace save you. Then he lets that same grace qualify you. He lets that same grace give you unemployment. Then he lets that same grace give you a gift that can let people celebrate you. Can you imagine God? Grace. 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 That's why none of us can boast. And none of us should boast. 
Hallelujah. That's why, even as your pastor, I tried to set a very good example for you. I'm going close. I'm all over with you. Whether God used me to heal you or God used me to preach or whatever. Because it's grace. It's grace. I want to see you buy your Land Cruisers and your V8s and whatever and your Range Rovers. And when you come and pack, when you finish packing, you will still come and stand and usher people and smile. You're welcome. Because it's what? It's grace. It's grace. That you come to church even though you are the MD of whatever, whatever company and you are ending whatever, whatever, you come to church and you can still kneel down and fall down and worship God because it's what? It's grace. It's not you. It's grace. Sometimes we think we did it. But you realize it's grace. Number three, the grace of God must not be wasted but put to good use. So Paul says that his grace was not in vain. In other words, this grace that God has released into your life, this investment God has made, it must not be wasted. It must not be in vain. In fact, the, the, the interesting word is the root word vain means empty. Hollowness. It means devoid of content. It means there's nothing there. Have you seen how funny it is? In God's eyes, when he looks at you, there is something there. But in man's eyes, when we look at you, there is nothing there. Because the grace that God has released into your life, you are letting it go waste. Instead of using that grace to serve God, you are using it to watch telenovelas. Now I'm coming home. Instead of using that grace to serve God, you are using that grace for concert parties. Monday morning, you have a Kokonsa group that begins to discuss everything that happened across the weekend in church and how this person was wearing this one dress and how this person, this is the only suit that this person wears and how this, I mean, you can spend three hours. Meanwhile, that grace, God has given you a grace for intercession that you can go before him and lay people before him and say, God, I pray for this person, I pray for that. The three hours, you have let it go in vain. So, when we look at you, we can see emptiness. But when God looks at you, he can see an investment of an intercessor. Wow. Can you imagine that? He says, this, this grace, I do not let it go. Go in vain. The, the other definition of the word vain in the Greek is absence, absence of good, presence of evil. When he says, I do not let this grace go in vain, it means that, when we use the word vain, it means that there's the absence of good, there's the presence of evil. In other words, if I don't use the grace for what God wants me to use it for, the good works that he has created me, I end up using it for evil things because life abhors vacuum. There's nothing like vacuum in life. Any empty space, something fills. Life is like that. Any empty space, something will fill it. Let's leave this house for the next two weeks and we'll come back and realize that spiders are like, whoa, this is our day. War geckos all over. This is our day. Because there is no empty space in life. Have you walked through a path and realized that the, the bush to your left and the bush to your right, the reason why there are weeds is because no one is walking there. But the path that someone is walking on, do you see weeds? No. So whenever there is the absence of good, there is a the presence of evil. That's why some of you, God has employed you to work for him, but you have become Satan's workers. Instead of working for God, you're working for the devil. So on your WhatsApp status, 
put something that will preach the message of the gospel to someone and let someone come to know Christ. You put some, some, please forgive me, I don't like using these words, but something that is so foolish on your WhatsApp status. And then people look at it and then they see someone twerking on your WhatsApp status and they are wondering, what, what is, and you cause people to last because you have now become a worker of the devil when you are employed by God. Because the absence of good is the presence of evil. Because you are not putting anything there, you want to find something and put it there. Paul says, this grace, I did not let it go in vain. I did not let it go in vain. Because the thing is that when God releases grace into your life and you don't use it for the purpose for which God, I mean, caused you to have it, the enemy will find something for you to use it for. Your voice, God has given it for you to sing. You are not singing. The devil will find something for you. You'll be, you'll be singing all forms of songs and just, I mean, distributing lust all over. Because the songs are embedded with lust. So you are doing the work of the enemy when God is your employer. Some of you, I'm sure God has put you on firing list. <laughs> Ready to fire you. Because, because you're occupying space. You have been qualified, but you're not doing the work. There are so many of us here who have so many abilities and you're not putting them to use. The absence of good, the presence of evil. I was, I was so happy last week. You know, the, the past four years since we started the church, whenever we have any huge thing, construction, anything that we have to do, I'll be here myself with um, one or two people and digging and pushing this. And I was happy last week when I didn't have to be on site and Nico was there supervising and making sure the work was going on and taking care of everything. And I said, this is what I want to see. I want to see that the grace that God has released into the lives of people is at work. That the reason why God allowed you to have a qualification that you have or a skill that you have is because he wants you to use it to serve. To serve him. But some of you are letting it go waste. So when we look at you, we don't see any fruitful thing. We only see emptiness, hollowness. There's nothing. Paul says, this grace, I did not let it go in vain. That is why we have about 14 books of the New Testament from Paul. Paul says, I did not let this grace go in vain. No, because it is a grace that is there. I have to put it to use. I have to let it work. Then it takes us to the the, 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 the next point, the number four, it says the grace of God at work in us is evidenced by how we work with that grace. The grace of God which is at work in us is what? Evidenced by how we work with that grace. In other words, God's grace can be working in your life, but if you don't work with the grace, we can't see the kind of grace God has released in your life. So Paul says, I labored more abundantly than they all. Can you imagine Peter, Apostle Peter, Apostle John, Apostle James. These are people that stayed with Jesus Christ for three and a half years. In fact, Peter, James, and John, they actually saw Jesus and Moses and Elijah transfigured on the mountain. They saw the glory of God. But Paul says that me, that I came last minute, I even worked more than they all. Because the thing is, the grace that God has given to you is different from the grace he has given to me. And when I know the grace God has given to me, I must know the work that it comes with. To him that much is given, much is required. 
Yeah, when we're in school, do you know what I do? When, when other people are fooling around and doing all forms of things, I don't join them because when they are studying, I am at SU meeting, I am at a prayer meeting, I'm at executive meeting. So when they are fooling around, do you know what I tell myself? I can't join you to fool because the time that I have is not the same time you have. You know, when you realize the grace that God has given to you and the work that it comes with, you don't join people doing just all forms of things because you know what you have been called for. So Paul says, I labored more abundantly than they all. No, you can't spend six hours on television when you know the grace that is at work in your life. Yeah. I told someone, it was a joke, but, but that's the reality. It was a funny thing. Before the Christmas, we were both so drained and exhausted because there was a lot of work we had done. And we said we'll go for holidays. We never got, went for the holidays. So we copied movies. We copied six movies from someone that we're going to watch during the Christmas so that we can, we can use it to distress and relax. Can you believe we watched one movie over the course of over two weeks? One movie. Like, because by the time we start watching the movie, we are gone. Ten minutes. My wife laughed and laughed at me. She said, the movie is just part one, but you have, you have watched part six of the movie, the same movie. No, because the thing is that when grace is at work in your life, you realize that you don't have the time that everyone else has. You put your time to good use. You, you labor with the time. In fact, Paul says, I labored with it. The word labor means to work till you are, you are exhausted. So Paul is telling us that you and I, the grace that God has given to us to work for him, eh, we must work for God till you get to the place where you are tired. Where you are so exhausted. No, can I ask you, how many of you have even done work for the house of the Lord and you've dropped one sweat? No, you've not even dropped one sweat. Do you know what we do? Today, what we do is Christianity of convenience. Like, God, I will do it when I have the time. God, I will do it when I am available. God, I will do it. I'll do it when I finish taking care of the children. Can, can I preach? God, I, I will do it when I finish this course. God, the job right now, I need promotion. So I will do it when, when I've been able to secure the promotion. You forget that all these things that you are talking about as excuses are things that God released into your life by his grace. Because someone is praying for the child that you have. The person does not have. You've got the child. The child is now the excuse. Someone is praying for the job that you have. So you have the job. The job has now become the excuse. Someone is praying for the time that you have. You have the time. The time has now become the excuse. So Paul says that I live more abundantly. Why do we do that to God? No, you yourself, do you think it is fair? The very things that God releases into your life, use them as excuses. He says that I labored more. It means that I was so tired and exhausted doing this work, but I toiled, I worked hard, I gave myself to it, I pushed hard because I knew that this is what God has called me for and God is my greatest employer. Please, can I break some news to you? We are all employed by God. Whether you call yourself full-time pastor or you call yourself a church member, we are all employed by God. Did I give you a shocking news? We are all employed by God. Yeah. All of us. Nico, you're employed by God. Me, I'm employed by God. Vicky, you're employed by God. All of us are employed by God. It doesn't matter whether you have a portfolio or not in the church. You are employed by God. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that saved me. 
And it's the same grace that qualified us for good works. Can you imagine what your employer, your employer is always, every week your employer is having weekly meetings, asking for what you are doing. You have no report to give to your employer. Some of you, your reports are blank because you have not labored. You have not done any work. At the end of the month, you are still going back to your employer for pay. I'm sorry. There is no pay. Because the thing is, God's work, eh, it is pay as you go. <laughs> no, no, no. God's work is what? It's not civil servant work. Oh. Work, the government agencies, you go there and they are sitting there and they are trying to and they are sitting there and they are crossing their legs and they are laughing and quacking. And at the end of the month, our, tax, our taxes are used to pay them. No, that's not the kind of work. God's work is pay as you go. If you are working and laboring, he says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'll come to that. So Paul says, I labored more abundantly than they are. Please, I want to ask you a question. In fact, this word labor also means to be burdened. To be burdened with grief. It means that you think about the house of the Lord. You think about the things of God. Please, can I ask you, how many of you think about the house of God in the week? No, how many of you think about the things of God the whole week? I read something funny on social media. It's for the choir sisters. I should have taken that shot and sent to the choir page. He says, choir practice, uh, what? Rehearsals is not for learning songs. Now, when I read that thing, eh, it, it might look like a simple statement, but it actually tells you that by the time you are coming for rehearsals as a choir sister, you should know all the songs. You are only coming to refine what you know. No, so I'm extending it to all the other departments. Ushers, when you are coming, do, are you burdened with the house of the Lord? Do you think about the house of the Lord? In fact, the word burden also says that to be grieved. It, it means that when you think about the house of the Lord and things are not going the way they are going, your heart should be sad. That, that the church, like I can do this, like people can do this, but some of you, it, it, it doesn't even tickle you. No, it, it doesn't worry you whether church is doing well or not. Oh, it's Sunday, it's pastor, you mess headache. You should think about it. Paul says, I labored. I worked. I was burdened. I was thinking, Monday, even though I'm at work and I'm working diligently at my workplace, I'm thinking, hey, how, Wednesday, how can we hurry up and get to the church? How can we hurry up and get to the house of the Lord? I'm the usher, I want to get to the house of the Lord. I'm the Christ, I want to get to the house of the Lord. I'm children's teacher, I want to get to the house of the Lord. I'm steward, I want to get to the house of the Lord. I'm this, I want to get to the house. Prayer warrior, yo, there's no prayer warrior. Okay, I want to come early and start praying. How many of you are burdened with the house of the Lord? With the things of God. Can I tell you the level of your burden? The level of your burden for the house of the Lord is determined by how urgently you come to the house. Some of you, when you are coming to church, you are late. You are late. You're like, uh. the other day, I was, when I took my two week break in November and I was going to visit a church, a particular church, I did not take my car. So I was sitting in a trotro was nice. I mean, that time I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to relax. I was sitting in the church room and then this lady, she apparently was going to church. She was holding the, the reason why I knew she was going to church was one, she was holding a book. You know, they have this used book or whatever book, big book, and she had it. And then, then she was on her phone the whole period when we're going on Facebook and switch to something and switch to something and the whole period. And then when we got to the bus stop, the bus stop, her church was actually at the bus stop. So she just got down, picked her notebook and started walking to the, the church. And I said, how 
we also do that as church workers. When we are coming to the house of the Lord, instead of being burdened with the house of the Lord and thinking about the house of the Lord and focusing on how God can also use me, not just the pastor, and putting aside my phone and my desires so I can communicate with God and God can use me, we are so engaged with so many things. The house of the Lord is the last on our mind. It's when we are entering that we remember that we are coming to the house of the Lord. The other day I told the group of leaders at the headquarters that look, when we are coming to church, we are not just coming for church service. We are coming to work. In fact, it is not only for leaders. All of us, we are employed by God. And yesterday, I was telling them that, look, some of you think it's because I'm the pastor that I have to work in the house of the Lord. No, I work because, first of all, I'm a child of God. Besides, there are times that in this church, I have gone months without paying myself. So it is not, it's not the pay that motivates me to work. I have gone months without, because there were more important things to do in the church, and I, I didn't see the reason why we had to pay me when things had to be done. So if it was pay, if it was pay, no, if it was pay, I wouldn't even be working here, because your pay is nothing. <laughs> if it was pay, I wouldn't be working here. But we are working because God wants us to labor in his house. And I was telling them that, look, before I ever be, became an employed person of the church, I was working and sweating for the church. Can I ask you, are you working and sweating for the house of the Lord? Paul says, I labored more abundantly. Can I ask you a question? Are you laboring more abundantly than they are? In your department, can you confidently say that, as for me, the way I work, and it's not because you want to boast, but I work so hard because I believe in what God is doing. Today, I came to challenge you. It takes me to my final point. But before I go to the final point, I want to ask you three questions. Are you burdened with the work that God has given to you to do in his house? Are you burdened? Do you work in God's house to the extent of getting tired? Does the work of God take as much energy from you as other activities outside his house? And this question is very important. Does the work of God take as much energy and time from you as other things? Because some of us, when it comes to football, we are there. We watch all the matches, follow all the live score, follow everything. Does the work of God take as much energy and time from you as other things? Some of you can watch one telenovela to the other to the other. By the time you watch, you, you see, you started at 8 p.m. By the time you were sleeping, it was past 11 p.m. And then you realize that you spent over three hours. Meanwhile, come for midweek service for one and a half hours. Does the work of God take as much time from you and as much energy as you do? And I've heard of people who say, Pastor, me, I don't have time. Pastor, the work, the nature of my work, I don't have time. I don't have But have you realized that the same people that say I don't have time, when they fall sick, they, they realize that they have time. No, like they fall sick. The very things that they thought could occupy them. Now, when they fall sick, they realize you can't do anything again. You you are there, you can't do anything. So why not put that time into the things of God? The final thing that Paul says, which we want to know, is that the grace of God must be acknowledged at all times. Even if we labored with that grace, even if you labored with the grace, even if you worked and sweated, you must acknowledge that it is God, God still at work. So Paul says that I labored more abundantly than they are, but look at what he says, yet not I, but the grace of God. Can you imagine? He says, I, I work though. 
I was the one sweating. Oh. In fact, one time the Bible says they stoned Paul and he was lying down and they thought he was dead. He got up, shook himself and went to the next town to preach. Some of you, you don't need stones. Oh. You just need someone to say something to discourage you. We won't see you in church. Someone was stoned to the point of dying. He got up, shook himself, went to the next town to preach. That's why, that's why we, we are seated here. But upon all these things that Paul did, he says that it was still the grace of God that was awakening me. Because the truth is that even though I used my energy to work, that energy cry came from God. You didn't get that. Even though I used my intelligence to work, that intelligence cry, it's what? It came from God. Even though I used my skill to work, even that skill, it was because of God. Grace. Even though I used my energy to work, the health that I had to work with, it was even because of God. Grace. Even though I gave so much for the work of God to go on, even the money that I had, it was because of what? Grace. Because there are some people who have worked in other organizations more than you have worked. Yes, six months, they have not been paid. So if you are paid every month, you can't, you can't just start somewhere and boast and say it's because I work that I got paid. There are people who are working harder than you in other organizations. They have not been paid because it is still what an issue of grace. No. So, so when God uses us for his work and when we labor and we toil and we do the work, what we have to do is to bounce the glory back to God. No, you don't say that it's me. What did you do? No, no. What, what did you do? What, what did you do? Please, if today I prepared my message, Adiki, I prepared my message today, and, we all, and I came to church today, and you all decided for one reason or the other, you all decided not to come to church today for whatever reason. And I came to church, and I had the most powerful message. Who would I preach to? No. So have you realized that even when I'm able to successfully preach to you, is grace. That, that even when I preach to you and you can listen to me and pay attention to me is grace. That, that you could be on your phone and doing something else. That, that you can't ever come to a point and boast and say that it is me, that I am the one who did it. That God, can you see how powerfully I preach? I see God is fascinated by the revelation. He, that God, can you see today, I led the worship and by the time I hit that note, like all the people were like, oh God, oh God, look at me, I can leave. No, no, no. You, you could have hit that note and you'd be stuck. So you realize it's grace. No, no, you could have even been singing and before you just hit that note, ECG would take their light off. <laughs> and you would never have hit that note. Then you realize that it is what? It's grace. So Paul says that even all these things that we think we are working and laboring and doing everything, it's still God's grace. That is why none of us can stand anywhere and boast and say that I am the one who did it. I am a self-made man. In fact, when I hear that thing, I'm a self-made man, it is one of the most foolish comments to ever make. Because when you were born, there was, there, there's no single human being that has come out of the womb that was having a cloth on themselves. Otherwise, you can call yourself a self-made man. We all came out naked. And the first person that wiped you was not you yourself. It was another human being. How then do you call yourself a self-made person? Not knowing that it is the grace. 
So God, God's grace works in us and uses us a little and then we begin to boast and we begin to become proud and we think that it is us when it is God. So this morning I told God, God, I want to be at a point that whenever I preach, no matter how powerful the message is, Aisha, no matter how God uses me, when we finish, no one should say it's Pastor Yuma. They should say, look at, wow, what a word from God. That's what I told God. God, I don't want to be, I don't want to take anything that you do through me. No, no, no. No. Adiki, how can I take what God has given to me? No, how? How? I could have been driving today to church and my car could have broken down and I would have been sweating and still working on the car and you people will be here and wonder where is Pastor Yuma and then I will still be stuck on the road. How? No, so if God gave it to you, how can, let me read this passage, then we can end. Let me read this one, then we can end. So, so 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, for who makes you differ from another? 1 Corinthians 4, 7, oh. it says, who makes you what? Differ from another. And what do you have that you did not receive? <laughs> I love this scripture. Debbie, who, made, who, who actually brought the judgment that you are different from Mephia? No. Who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? In fact, what in this life do you have that you did not receive? Your salary that you received, you received it because someone gave it to you. The person who paid you your salary, they received because someone patronized their service. The people that patronized their service, because someone else gave them money to patronize. So you can trace it and you realize that every one of us, whatever we have, we received it. What do you have that you did not receive? So look at what he says. He says that, he says that, he says that, so, now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Why? Why do you boast as if you did not receive your voice? As if you did not receive the dress? Oh, I, I saw the dress myself. No, you received it. You received it. Look at the next passage. In 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5, he says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Paul says, we are not sufficient of ourselves, so our sufficiency is from who? It's from God. It means that everything that we can ever think of to make us we is from God. Yesterday, we were having a very funny conversation at home. There's a school that's opposite us. And the children, uh, the, the other day I was coming home and then they were spelling some words. And they're above Aram's age. They're above Aram's class. But the words they were spelling, Aram can spell past those words. And then my mother-in-law is a teacher. She was telling us about how the children cannot read at class 5 and class 6. But Aram can read the whole book. Then I realized that it's grace. No, no, it's grace. Like I can't ever stand anywhere and boast and say like, I really taught my daughter. That's why she can read. It's grace. Our sufficiency is from God. Everything is from God. Everything. Look at Philippians 2, verse 12. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Then look at the verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do 
of his good pleasure. Paul says that work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It means that work it out. I mean, be at it. But he says even that it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It means that God is the one who even gives you the desire to love him. No. You woke up and then you pray for two hours and you were boasted. Charlie, nowadays I can pray for two hours. It's even God who gave you the desire to pray for two hours. No, it's God who wills it in us and gets us towards what he wants us to be. It's just that a lot of us are disobedient. That's why we don't get where God wants us to be. But even the desire and the passion and the drive to get there, it says it is he who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Then let me give you the shocking scripture, the last one. In Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory I will not give to another. Hey! Nor my praise to carved images. My glory I will not give to another. Nor my praise to carved images. God says his glory, he will not give to another. He will not give his praise. So the moment you begin to take the glory of God for what God is doing with your life, you are in trouble. You are touching what you are not supposed to touch. For our God is a jealous God. Nor would I give my praise to any carved image. Today we don't have carved images, so, but we have carved our own images. We are the carved images. We don't have physically carved images. We are the carved images. We have carved out, I am this, I am that, I am this, I am that. You put a picture on Facebook, 200 people like it, and then all of a sudden in your head, you think you are the most beautiful person in the world. Job Christ is not talking about his daughters. nor will I give my praise to anyone. So when God has finished using us, do you know what we do? We say, God, I, I was just a servant. I was just a vessel. You used me. Take the glory all for yourself. Lord, you used me. Take all the glory for what? Yourself. And I like how Dr. Otabu put it. He was giving an illustration on this praise going back to God. And he said that when you go for a speech and, speech and prize giving day, have you realized that quite a number of times there's that particular child that is almost going for all the prizes. They call the person, let me use the word, let me use the name. Okay. Ama Mensa. Ama Mensa, best English student. She goes, she takes it. Have you realized that when she takes the prize and her parents are there or the guardians are there, she comes and then she gives the prize to them. Then they call her again. Our Mensa, best in mathematics. She goes and what? She takes the prize and then she brings it to her parents. Our Mensa, best in science. She goes and she comes and she's smiling at the parents and she gives it to the, the parents. And Dr. Tabo said, the reason why the child is giving the prize to the parents is because although the child was the one who worked, although the child was the one who studied, although the child was the one who burned the midnight oil and the midnight candle, whatever you want to say, the child acknowledges that if my parents had not brought me to school and they are not paid my school fees and they are not giving me my, I mean, food to eat, I wouldn't even have the peace of mind to stay. I wouldn't even be in the school in the first place. So now that I've received the prizes, my parents, it is for you. And that's what we do. That we say that although we worked and although we labored and although we taught, God, it is all because of you. So Paul says, one, I acknowledge the grace that God has a grace on my life. Two, I work with the grace. 
And then three, I give God the glory for the grace. So from today, you also do what? Acknowledge the grace, what God has placed in your life. Two, work with the grace. And number three, give God the glory for the grace. And you know the beautiful thing? In Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, And God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word rewarder means someone who pays. A remunerator. It means that when you work, God will pay you. He will do what? He will pay you. The last time I read, they called him a just God. It means that he will pay you what is due you. That God will not settle you less or cheat you when you work hard. That when you work diligently and hard in the kingdom of God, he will pay you. I told God that God, I'm on your payroll. No, me, I want to be on God's payroll. Other people can pay me, but God, me, it's your pay I want. Because when God says he will pay you, he will pay you beyond your imaginations. Just work, just work, just work for God and work hard. Let the grace be at work in you and see how God, who is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, will reward you in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall rise to our feet. Rise to your feet.